Welcome to the October 26th edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm David Morrissey, and on today's show, I'm taking you to some of the positive and negative trends involving the Toronto Maple Leafs so far this season, looking at things I have liked and things that uh, have not been great so far. This is the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morissuti. From Sportsnet, Mike is off for today's episode, but we got lots to discuss. Looking at positive and negative trends involving the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. Some news on the injury front when it comes to Jake Muzzin. We're going to discuss all that on today's show. Locked on Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. And now you can catch us up on YouTube, Locked on Leafs. And we just want to make sure you guys are subscribing on YouTube Continue to get those subscribes up. We're gonna we're over two thousand. We want to keep keep building that. So I want to thank you guys for all your work on that. It was an off day for the Leaves. Actually, they have really an off day today. They're gonna practice in San Jose on Wednesday before they play their game against the Sharks on Thursday. So a rare chance for the Leafs to kind of take a breath. Take a breath. I know it's only seven games into the season, but a lot has happened. It's a pretty condensed schedule, too. When you really look, there hasn't been too many days off from, you know, the start of the season till now. I know it's only seven games, but considering what we have seen so far, a day to kind of relax and and kind of push things aside for a second, I think might be a good thing for this group. And we'll find out some news on Wednesday especially when it comes to the health of John Tavares, whether that knee injury he came back from in a game against Vegas was any, you know, is that anything that could be lingering over the next few days? It was not an easy injury. He did come back in the game, but you always are concerned about what his status is. Wouldn't surprise me if maybe he gets, even gets a maintenance day from practice if, that, if they want to be a little bit conservative with that injury. But we'll discuss that when we see the lines when they get back on the ice. We do have an update on the Jake Muzzin front, actually. It kind of came down kind of out of nowhere a little bit here. Cat Friendly was reporting that Jake Muzzin has been placed on LTIR. So you may remember that when Jake Muzzin was injured, the Leafs had put him on regular injured reserve. And part of the reason they did this was, A, they didn't want to dip into the LTIR money right away, and two... You know, there is, you know, considering his injury, if you put him on LTIR, he would have to miss 10 games and 24 days. All right. So that's not something you can just retroactively take him off. Once he's on LTIR, he has to miss that time. So from the least standpoint, it didn't make sense to put him on LTIR yet until they knew for sure what his status was long term. So, we now know Jake Muzzin has been put on LTIR, so that means that his full cap hit $5.625 million 
has been added to the Leafs' salary pool. Now, on top of that, Cap Friendly also says that Timothy Lilligren and Jordy Ben have been sent to the AHL for conditioning assignments. Obviously, they've been out since preseason. Timothy Lilligren hasn't even played a game yet. He has been skating. He has been practicing a little bit, but he has not played a game. So it is no surprise to expect him to get some start, some games with the Marlies before he's even up with the big club. And let's just say, going to need Timothy Lilligren. <laughs> going to need him to be coming back because this defense needs all the help again. Even, God, I hate to say this, but even Jordy Ben might even be some good news right now, considering what we have seen from this Leafs defense to start the season. It has not been good. But back to Jake Muzzin. The unfortunate part of this whole Jake Muzzin situation is very similar to last season where he's now being put on LTAR, which means he we know for sure he's going to be out for the prolonged future. But we don't know really what that means about his health for the rest of the season. A lot of people will probably say, ah, you know what, let him take his time coming back. Let him kind of uh, recover on his own. The other thing some people are saying is, does this give the Leafs $5.625 million to go out and make a deal for somebody else? It very well could. But the thing we have to remember here is money in, money out. You have to be able to equal that if Muzzin ever were to come back. Now, some will say, well, Muzzin should not come back. If he's able to play, and he we, we saw it last year. He was ready to come back. The Leafs came, brought him back during the regular season. Some would say, ah, you know what? Keep him out to the playoffs and bring him back in the playoffs. We now know the Leafs are not really into doing that too much. Now, it could change considering it's another head injury, injury to the, you know, neck. It was an, It's a neck injury, but it, it all correlates with his head, and we don't know to really the extent of the damage there. I think right now the best thing for this team to do is let Jake Muzzin do what he needs to do, not just physically, but mentally recover. This must be a very tough thing for him, not only physically to have to go through another injury like this, but the mental aspect of it, another recovery like this. It's tough. Take a breath. Let's see what happens. If the Leafs know for sure his long-term health and what's going on, Maybe this is a pre, you know bit of a precursor to a bigger move happening. We can't say for sure, really, until we hear from Sheldon Keefe or Kyle Dubas about Jake Muzzin's future. And frankly, I don't know if we're going to get that. Maybe maybe Sheldon Keefe gives an update when the reporters talk to him at practice. We'll be on the lookout for that, but I would save your breath on that just for the moment because you know it's a very you have to be very careful. Sheldon Keefe has to be careful when he's talking about Jake Muzzin because the guy's put on LTAR and, you know, he's out for a long time and one person says one thing and somebody else says the other. I mean, look at what, what you know, Mitch Marner was saying. No, he has his family to think about. It. Almost like kind of putting a bow on Jake Muzzin's season. You got to be very careful when you're with, the, with what you're saying when it comes to these situations. So I think the least... Will take this in the right direction. They really, they they know that 
with what happened with Jake Muslin last season, they don't want to go through that again. He should not want to have to go through that again. The Leafs definitely could use Jake Muslin at his best, um, but we just don't know what that is because he's been off and on so much. It's really unfortunate, but it's something that all teams have to deal with injuries throughout the season. So hope for the best for Jake Muzzin. And we'll see what the Leafs do now with the salary cap situation. And with some guys getting healthier, there's going to be a lot of moves going up and down the lineup, especially to try to get Lily Grimm back in. Does Jordy Ben figure in? We'll see. Uh, we don't know how long that's going to take. If they're going to be going on conditioning assignments. It could be one game. Could be two games. We don't know yet. Jalen Keith will likely give more of an update on that. Now, at the top of the show, I did say we are going to be discussing some positive and negative trends involving the Leafs. Because with off days, not much news going on. And I know it's only seven games, but we're seeing, you do see some trends developing with this team. And I want to highlight some of those and look at the ones that have been good. And some that have been, as our good friend, <laughs> as we come to know, not the best. Not the best. Well, we'll discuss all that and more. But before we do, I'd like to broad, uh, discuss one of our show sponsors, and that is BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs, including as well as hockey, the NHL. This season, find all the latest football league developments, game matchup news podcasts, including this year's this year's games. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest way to check in on all your favorite score, your sports and events, including NHL, MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to find more about the transaction. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I am David Morissuti here solo today. Mike is off. Got to deal with some uh, dental work out of Niagara. We're letting him deal with that. He will be back in the saddle tomorrow when we go through our preview for the Sharks game. So make sure you do not miss that. We know that this California road trip, sometimes a long road trip can do a lot of good things for teams. It could also be tough time for teams right now the Leafs are one and one on this trip they have looked good in one game not so good in the other and that's kind of where this team has been there's been kind of two extremes with this team there hasn't been a lot of consistency to start this this season so let's discuss some of the positive and negative trends and why maybe this is the case and I'm not one to always delve on negatives I try to be a positive person it's tough with the Leafs to try to be this positive. I know we've we've been through a lot, but we might as well rip off the Band-Aid right now and go through one of the glaring issues. And that's really been the team's play at five on fives, especially on the defensive end. When you're a team like the Leafs and they were a really good team defensively at five on five, they weren't the best in the league. They weren't mid. They were kind of, you know, they were near the top in how they were playing defensively at 5 5. It was rough to start the season, but eventually it got better. Is that the case this season? I don't know. 
but there are some things that when you're trying to figure out why exactly have the Leafs struggled so much defensively at five on five, the big one here for me is, okay, not only are they allowing a lot of shots, but how about their chances on net? Okay. It's one thing to allow a lot of shots. It's another to look at the chances that are being allowed. Are they making life easier for the goaltender? And unfortunately, the Toronto Maple Leafs have not made life easy on the goaltenders, especially Ilya Samsonov. If you were to go to Natural Stat Trick, a site that Mike and I, uh, you know, we like to source a lot. They have great information. The one here for me that is concerning is the Toronto Maple Leafs lead the NHL in high danger chances against so far this season. That's right. More than the Anaheim Ducks. More than the Montreal Canadiens. More than the Vancouver Canucks, who have not even won a game this season and have been blowing leads left, right, and center. Arizona has allowed fewer high-danger chances against so far this season. The Toronto Police are number one. Now, some of that will change when, uh, you know, as I'm recording this, the games tonight are just finishing, and some of the games still have not happened. So, good chance that that might change. But as it sits, the fact that they're even in the top 10 is not good. If I am the Leafs right now, you're trying to figure out why are we allowing chances on net in the area that teams generally have the best chance of scoring at, right in the slot, right in front of the net. Why is this happening? Part of it could be turnovers. Part of it could be poor defensive zone coverage. There are a multitude of reasons why this could be the case. That's on the coaching staff to, and the and the defense to figure out. And, and in a way, it's also the forwards and their commitment to ensuring that they are doing their part defensively in the zone, in the defensive zone to ensure that they are making life easier for their for their defense. Right now, it has not been the case. So who have been the main culprits at allowing these high danger chances against? Now, a lot of you will point to Justin Hall. And you would actually be right in a way. Um, now, we have to remember that Justin Hall has had two partners to start this season. Um, but he's not the only one that's guilty in all this. And that's that's the, that's the tough part right here. It's not just Justin Hall that is struggling with this. It's also Morgan Riley, and it's also TJ Brody. As a pairing, TJ Brody and Morgan Riley have allowed the most high-danger chances against on the Leafs this season. Your top pairing, you gave Morgan Riley a shiny new contract. You know, in a way, he deserved because of what his value to the team. But another way... He cannot be the one that's leading the pact in this stat. You cannot have Morgan Riley being the guy that is allowing the most chances on net, especially in high danger, cha- high danger chances against. That is a trend that needs to change, and it needs to change quickly. 
So Morgan Raleigh is actually third on the team in high danger chances against with 29. Rasmus Sandin has 30. So that's not great. Justin Hall leads the way with 34. So right there, and T and TJ Brody is actually fifth with 25. He's third. He is fourth among defensemen, fifth on the team, and he's actually tied with Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. So those guys have allowed the most chances in the in high danger scoring areas on this team. The part that is now. This is a lot of numbers I'm throwing at you. There's a lot to throw at you. Now, you got to take that number, but the, the important part here is also not just the chances against, but are they negating some of that by getting chances on net in those areas? That's the important stat here that, yes, they might be on the ice and allowing a lot of those chances, but how are they doing in reverse? Are they taking a lot of the chances in high danger scoring areas. Are they positive in this regard? And guess what? I'll bring up Austin Matthews, Mr. Uh, 60 goal score. He is actually leading the team in high danger chances for this season with 34. Go figure 34 for number 34. So he's actually in the he's actually in the positive. He is above fifty percent in high danger chances for percentage, which means he's on the ice. When he's on the on the ice, he's getting more chances in high danger areas than he is allowing. That's a good sign. So are Morgan Riley and TJ Brody. But guess what? They're like they're they're with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner more often than not. I want to see them cut down. What I want to see from Riley, Brody. Marner, Matthews, Bunting, that high danger chances against has to go down. It has to go down because you're not getting you're 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 not doing your goaltenders any favor. This this group has to be doing most of this damage in the offensive zone, which means they can't be allowing these chances against in the defensive zone. Okay? So that's in a way, the, the negative is that all those chances that they are, are uh, allowing. But the positive here is that we're seeing that, the, and, and I know the scoring has not been there at 5-on-5. Five five. It has been a problem this season. But they are getting their chances. I mentioned the Leafs were the worst team in the NHL in high danger chances against. And funny enough, they are actually third in the NHL in high danger chances for they are at 75 only the new jersey devils this is a very surprising stat actually the new jersey devils are the and mike mentioned this actually in uh, in a previous podcast the new jersey devils have the most high danger chances for and they have the fewest high danger chances against 36 the toronto maple leafs have 80 the new jersey devils have 36. If you want to know where the pendulum swings in that favor, the Leafs have 75 chances for. It's not great because they're allowing more chances than they are creating, but they're not far off. But that number has, one of those numbers has to get better. 
the optimal solution is you allow fewer chances in front and you keep that number of chances for higher up. So if I'm the Leafs, that has to be number one thing, the number one thing you need to fix because it's not doing your club any favors. Okay. I've liked, you know, if we're talking about five on five play and, you know, chances that they are allowing, I still do like what I'm seeing from, you know, from the, from the second line. And that is, you know, John Tavares and William Nylander and Nick Robertson. That, that, that line has brought it at five on five. That was something that was sorely missing last season. The fact that they have been able to take advantage of the tough, really not having the tougher matchups, especially now on the road, they're going to get the easier assignments. They got to take advantage of that, especially at five on five. They did score the only goal in Vegas at five on five. It was, it's nice to see that they're continuing to do this. Once Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and Michael Bunting get things going. And trust me, I do think they will. That's going to be, it's going to be pretty tough to stop the Leafs when you have that type of production from the second line already coming. And then your top line is going to be cooking and it will happen soon. I do think that's going to happen. I know some are probably doubting that you can't doubt you're seeing it. Austin Matthews, Mitch Martin, Michael Bunn, they're, they are trying, they are trying. It's going to come. They just have to keep at it. All right. So we're going to take one more break. And when we come back, I'll go through, the goaltending situation with the Leafs. Why it still remains a positive despite some of the issues when it comes to depth. But before we do, let me tell you about another show sponsor, and that is Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, at Simply Safe, your safety is is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own house. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by twenty four seven professional monitoring agents who always have your back. And here's why I love it. I'm one of those people that likes to look at things on my phone, make sure everything is okay. Who you know, you can't be going around checking control pads and checking things all over the place. And the fact that I can also watch my security cameras from my phone with crystal clear. HD and also having the um, the wide variety of high tech centers and you know 24/7 support is something that you know late night situations to know you have somebody there is important simply save blankets your home in protect home in protection with advanced sensors for every room window and door HD security cameras for inside and outside your home Smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other treat, other threats to your home. So customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL to save 20% off your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash NH locked on NHL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Welcome back into the Locked on These podcast. David Morisuti here. Mike DeSefano will be back for tomorrow's episode. So I am going to be taking the reins. And for the final part of my 
positive and negative trends start season. I know we're only seven games through, people. I know. I know it's only been seven games. But I want to, you know, make sure that we're focusing on the right areas of what's been going right with the Leafs and what's been going wrong with the Leafs. One thing that nobody should be complaining about is Ilya Samsonov. This might have, might be, now so far I know it's only five games, but five games in, Ilya Samsonov is third in the NHL in save percentage among starting goaltenders. Only Jake Onger and Carter Hart, yes, you heard that correctly, Carter Hart, are better in terms of save percentage than Ilya Samsonov. He went into the to that game against Vegas with a 4-0 record. First Leaf, actually, to start his career 4-0 and allowing two goals or less per game to start his career. And, you know, when you look at kind of where the rest of the division is, like, he is the best goalie right now statistically in the Atlantic. Linus Allmark is actually right behind him. But I... There's not enough good things you can say about Ilya Samsonov because he's had to take a bigger workload than many were expecting. And I think this is this is a you know a young player. Let's not forget he's 25. He's only 25. This is not like a goalie who's just starting to, you know, he's he's been in the league for so long and then, you know, He's finally finding his way. This is a 25-year-old who was a first-round pick, did not get what he get to where he was expected to be in Washington. Comes to Toronto, knows he is trying to reset his career. And so far, through five games, his five starts, he has done that. And he's kept the Leafs in many games that really that Vegas game should not have been a 3-1 loss. It should have been way worse than that. But he kept them in that game. That's what you need from your starting goaltender. When you're not at your best, he has to be, as they say, the last line of defense. And he's really done that so far this season. I I, I don't know how that cannot be viewed as a positive. Because there was that chance that he was going to be taking a bulk of this workload because of Matt Murray's, you know, dicey injury pass. Let's put it. There's no way around it. That was a gamble from Kyle Dubas to bring in uh, to bring in Matt Murray, given his injury history, given the fact that you know you bring in somebody like that who has a higher salary than than Ilya Samsonov. He's out. It limits what you can do at times, but because he's on LTIR, they are able to make those you know actually help the roster out by bringing up those extra players so that they can rotate guys and especially those forwards. The question now really becomes is, you know, can you trust Matt Murray to stay healthy? That's going to be the biggest key. That's that's going to be a negative because yes, Eric Schalgren, you have him in the pipeline. You're hoping that he can stay healthy and be that third goaltender, but really, you don't want to put Samsonov in a position where he's starting 60 games this season. You don't want that. I, 55 is even pushing it a little bit for me just because he's his hot, his, the most he's ever started in his career is 39 games. 
that and that was his worst year statistically. You do not want a situation where it gets too much for him and you see a regression. You do want to make sure that he is getting the rest. Right now, he seems to be okay. But eventually, you're going to need to make sure that you've got you got that that safety blanket. Right now, Samsonov was a safety blanket in a way for Matt Murray. Um, but now Matt Murray is going to have to be that for Samsonov when he eventually he does come back and hopefully he can stay healthy. I don't like I, and look. I, I I believe that Matt Murray there could be something there. We saw it in the preseason that there is something there. That first game against Montreal. I am not. I was not going to put that all on him. Yes, he needed to be better, but so did the rest of the team. I'm not going to let one game, you know, be the statement of his season. Only if this injury thing is something he can't shake. But if he can get back on the ice and if he can help this goaltending, uh, help this Leafs team really help this Leafs defense, which has been brutal to start the season, get back on track, then that'll be a that'll be a positive. Samsonov makes Samsonov makes us a great positive because you've got great goaltending. We were not expecting great goaltending. We were just hoping for good enough. The fact they're getting great and what really kind of bothers me about the Leafs laxaday's effort in some games is that you're getting almost elite goaltending from Ilya Samsonov and you're wasting it by not putting the effort especially defensively. So that needs to change. And I wonder, will the, will the Leafs try to look at maybe if this trend, those trends, some of these you know, ugly trends continue, is that a sign that changes are going to be needed? And you're, you don't want to see a team have to make all these changes during the season. You were kind of hoping that you nip some of the stuff in the butt during the off season. The Leafs are also kind of cap strapped that they can't just make all these changes they can change some stuff. I'm hoping that some parts that don't look good right now do get changed. But at least you got some things that you can actually look ahead. Now, the next three games against San Jose, LA, and Anaheim, those three games should all be winnable games. So if they don't look good in any of those three games, or if one of those games they have a very laxadays approach and it's and it's something that's that's kind of now becoming a disturbing trend. I would be I would be surprised if nothing if it's just kind of brushed aside. They cannot afford to let the stuff keep creeping in. I know it's only seven games, but we're talking about a trend that's happened in years past. They gotta get this right. But as long as Samsonov is playing the way he is. He gives Leafs a chance to win every night, any night he is in the night, and he really has. And that's that's the good part about having a goaltender like Samsonov right now. So hopefully they can get their you know stuff together when it counts. All right, I think that will do it for us here on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. That is five days a week. Not many places you're going to get five days a week of Leafs content on YouTube, on your podcast platform, and content that you guys enjoy. And I hope you guys all enjoy it. Make sure you give us a good rating on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. We always enjoy the thumbs up. Give us those comments. Let me know what you guys think are some other trends that 
you're not liking from this Leafs team. I like to hear what you guys think about it. Make sure you follow myself on Twitter at the underscore Morissuti and follow Mike at Mickey underscore Canuck. And follow the show I Locked on Leafs. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow where we will preview Thursday's game against the Sharks as the West Coast road trip continues. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.